Good to go. Steve, how you doing? You good? We're going to be soft and gentle today, Steve. Are we the whole time? It's going to be like an NPR show. They're going to turn up the bass and we're just going to talk about Christmas recipes. Christmas recipes. I'm what's what's the main NPR guy? Ira. Yeah. Ira. um, Ira Glass. Okay. Thank you. I paid attention a little bit. Um, No, this is not NPR. We'll we'll probably swear a couple of times. I don't think they're allowed to swear on NPR. Um. This is the Stuff Summer Says podcast with Steve. Steve. Steve, it's it's time for another therapy session. Um, we've got last weekend's game to talk about. We've got this weekend's game to talk about. What else do we have to talk about? Oh, I, I want to go on a little little mini rant about six-day windows. And then this week's old guy, young guy is footwear related. Oh, cool. That's all. Unknown to my sartorial splendor, this will be great. Um, that was a big word. What was that word? Sartorial. I don't even know what that means. It means you dress well. Hey, you do dress well, Steve. Okay. Um, hold on. Okay. All right. I just wanted to find our text messages before we started. Um, let's see where to begin. Um, okay. I don't know. There was about uh, nine minutes or so left on the clock and I looked at the clock and I went, mm, shit, that's a lot of time left on the clock and they're probably going to score here. It was, a, it was an interesting nine minutes or so after that. And, uh, yeah, that's uh, that's my big takeaway from Saturday. Um, well, you want to you want to get after it? You you have. I feel like you have some questions for me, judging by a text message. No, no. Well, we, we, yeah, after we get through a little bit of the, the game debrief. No, I think you're you're right on point with those. I, I listened to the post-game radio show with, with Steve and Jack. And since this is often not times media related, they made sure to tell everyone that Penn State went toe-to-toe with Ohio State for 50 or 52 of the 60 minutes. And I thought, that's nice, but they play 60. And it just, yeah. I, there, there's so many things about it that, yeah, they they played close to them, they played well, but if they, they, they played well and and it felt like they were keeping their hands on top of a bomb that was going to go off at some point. In the, and it did, right? And it it didn't play out well at the end, even though it looked pretty good for a while. Take away the turnovers, which I'm sure we'll talk about, and it, it would have been even better. So I think that's what's frustrating for fans and for fans consuming their team through the media. There are just so many different ways that little line between success and failure, that little edge, and it could lean either way. I compared Saturday chatting with friends to this. I've never, I've, I've never had this actually happen to me, but I've seen it happen. Um, you drive down the road, you hit a rock. Rock chips your windshield. It's fine. It happens. You get there. Then you hit a bump. And then it starts to break a little bit more. And then it, then you hit another bump, and then there's another rock. Pretty soon, you've got a giant spider web of glass, and some of that's laying in your lap. And I think that's kind of what happened. And I think you can't stop a 
stop something like that unless you stop immediately, figure out what was happening, what was going wrong. And I, I think that three play drive that I think not a lot of people are talking about. I think that was the straw that broke the camel's back. Yes, there were four turnovers, probably maybe two to three of them, at least two of them were just stupid, incredible plays. Like I were just, I, I think two, especially the last one, just beyond athletic plays. For me, I think that is the difference between Penn State and Ohio State right now. I think they, that sometimes, like I said on Saturday after the game, sometimes you just lose to a good team, and that was a good team. I think with the Michigan loss, like that was a shit show disaster. This was not so much that. This was you just got out athleted, basically. So the three, the play calling on the three play drive, like, you know, so so the, the, the quarterback gets to blame for the turnovers, right? And that's where everybody goes. Oh, we can't have the turnovers, turnovers, guys. We've seen this guy before. So what about play calling on the three play drive? If if you had to assess where that goes, or is it just they made plays? Well, so the, the run, the touchdown run was was Bolt. Can you be quiet? Bolt has some thoughts. Hold on he's, one second. He's getting ahead of the game. We're gonna get to that level pretty soon, maybe. That dead silence was brought to you by me kicking the dogs out of the office. Um, okay, so I think dot com. So for me, the 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 run itself that was a lapse in players. Like the the touchdown run was a lapse in players because I think they were tired because Ohio State for the first time all game went tempo. I. I couldn't see it from my perspective, like where we sit in the stadium, but I saw people point this out on Twitter. I think it was the second play. Um, Ohio State or, or Ohio State kind of picked it apart because Penn State was lined up in a very deep man coverage. And then they were sending a blitz with the linebackers. And it was a pretty easy play that any, really any offense could have picked up there. Sh- should have been a timeout at that, I think, on that drive, just to slow Ohio State down. Because I think that I think everybody and their brother knew that Ohio State was going to score on that drive. I knew that that it was coming. It was just that quickly was really, I think, what the gut punch was for the game. Oh, I, thought, I, I texted. So this was not past week was not my week to be in the stadium, my week to watch. And there was a lot of good, good fun stuff to watch and learn from about the broadcast and everything else. But I texted Susan in the stadium and our code word, cause I'm always looking for an excuse to get out of the stadium when I'm in the stadium. So I'll be like late in the game or some, even early in the game when something happens and I know Penn state's going to win, or it feels like the other team's going to do something. I'll be like, Oh, there's an avalanche coming. That's the first snowball. Like it could yeah. be 84 degrees in the stadium. I like snowball. So I texted her and said snowball, right. When they, when they scored, I'm like, you might as well just get out of the stadium. Now it's over. And and that's how it felt. And I guess that's the one piece that gets overlooked for me in terms of the quarterback blame and the coach blame. And, and not that I think those things are terribly wrong. It's just that Penn State played pretty well. I mean, yes, okay, four turnovers, but they played really well. And it, at the end of the day, they were still out athleted significantly, it felt at times, and and, and still weren't close in the final score, although I get it that the game was closer. 
but you, you played, you played, you played, you did as well as you could, and you still ended up here, which makes the gap feel like the difference between that program and this program remains significant, even though you were winning for 50 of the 60 minutes. I think I agree with most of that. I think that's pretty, pretty fair. I think it was interesting. I think that was this feels weird to say. I think that was one of James Franklin's best coached games. It really was. So uh, I think at least I think I would have taken the field goal. I think I'd have kicked the one field goal. Even though when it mattered in the final number, I think I'd have put some points on the board there. We were having a conversation about that amongst our tailgate afterwards. And I think hindsight's always 2020, certainly. And like even I think the the message was you went for it earlier on fourth down at that on that drive. Why not kick it here? Also, I think it came up later in the game that when you know Pinniger missed those two kicks on the the non plays because there were flags. Like clearly, maybe Franklin knows something else that we don't know about how bad the kicking game is because we don't see that in practice. No, and that and that's probably true. I just it was in hindsight for me. I was that was when I was screaming at the TV and the dog probably thought I was nuts. I'm like, take points, take, you know, just you know, I appreciate the analytics. I appreciate we've done it on fourth down. I appreciate your home. I appreciate you're the underdog, whichever one of those things makes you go for it on fourth and short. Um yeah, I don't think it was a horribly coached game. I think, and this gets to the crux of some of the questions I got. I I think. James Franklin has proven himself, and I have said this from day one when he was hired, he's going to win nine games a year. Like, going to recruit his butt off. They're going to win nine wins a year. They're great. My contention is they're probably paying him to win three more games than that. Some combination of Michigan, Ohio State, and Michigan State, one of the, one of the two big ones and the other one, every year. That, that, that's what that money is for. And I think that's what the disconnect is for fans who will ask, you know, when can a Penn State fan expect to beat Ohio State and Michigan? Like, when is that going to happen? And then if it doesn't happen, when can fans be upset that it's not happening? With the context, like I hear this year's argument, oh, well, we, you know, it was horrible last year, seven wins, like we're, we're making progress. But for some people, it's been nine years of seeing this. So when, if it doesn't happen, when can they be dissatisfied? And is this the high watermark? I think, I mean, everybody said this, and I think, this isn't me advocating for him to start on Saturday, but everybody has said that Penn State needs the elite quarterback, and that apparently, allegedly, is Drew Alar. I'll give him a pass at the big house, next, or I'm sorry, at the horseshoe next year, but I, I think you have to win the Michigan game next year at, at minimum. And I'm okay. I'm even okay with the expectation of Penn State losing one of those two games a season. Like, I think that is my ultimate expectation and i think for michigan like for michigan and ohio state like the mentality is that they're going to beat the other two in the, the triad so to speak and i think penn state's mentality right now is we're going to win one of the two and i think they need to change the mentality to beat two of two with the expectation of going one of one one and one in the triad, if that makes sense. Uh, it does. I mean, I, I think those that are close to the program would give you the other coach speak that comes with that, right? Like they're never going right. to talk that way. Right? Like yeah. one and oh, they, they can't beat them both because all they can ever do is go one and oh. Right. But 
Yeah, I, I think that, and I think that's the frustration of, I, I would be fairly surprised if Alara plays a significant amount of Indiana. I mean, I think he'll play more, but I think that's what fans see down the road. And I could see Franklin wrestling with it in the news conference this week. You know, there is a responsibility to the other players and not, not giving up on the season, right? Like there's a difference between eight wins and 10 wins. There's a difference between respecting that seniority and not. But by not giving Alar more reps between now and the end of the season, the crutch that comes out is, yeah, we did as well as we could next year, but the kid was inexperienced at quarterback and hadn't been in those situations and hadn't had enough reps, and that's why we lost to Ohio State again, right? And, and I think that's the math that some fans are doing and, and struggle with, you know? But is a loss at Ohio State more digestible than a loss at home to Ohio State? Yeah, especially when you were winning with nine minutes to go in the game, yeah. Sure. No yeah. doubt about it, right? So I guess – I don't know. That's why I say, like, I give, I think maybe it was when we had Geiger on or even we'll go on. And, and one of them mentioned, you know, you have to look at it from like, when can Penn State achieve? And it really boils down to where they play Ohio State. And I kind of agree with that now. Like, I, not kind of, I do agree with that now. Um, I don't know. Let's, let's, we'll get to the Alar stuff here in a little bit, but let's, let's talk about the other quarterback. Um, and then we can, I mean, we can talk about the rest of the game. Let's let's talk about the rest of the game. Is there anything else that we you feel like we have missed in this breadth of conversation that we've had? Um, no, I, I think the thing, the toughest thing for me, and, and we we'll talk about Clifford, but I still think the toughest thing for me on the fan side of me, and I don't know. I mean, I'm not that fanny, but like it just feels like that gap between Penn State and Ohio State is pretty it just feels big if Penn State's going to do all this stuff right and then still can't convert in what's seemingly the best of situ situations right best of scenarios so I think that's I think the defense was fine like I mean you knew they were going to score points at some point it hurt that there probably should have been a timeout somewhere in that drive they should have done something the fluky turnovers and the lost possessions as a result of them um I think there's stuff to feel good about. And I think as the season winds out, like there's no reason they shouldn't win what remains. So from Saturday, there aren't any glaring problems that either they're a very good college football team the, with, without the turnovers. Oh, yeah. Which you just kind of knew were coming, right? I mean, sure. not not that that way. You knew something silly was going to happen. There was going to be some so, mistake. No, maybe not the mistake, but I I knew that the touchdown that that the, on the three play drive, I knew that there like there's just no world at all where Ohio State gets shut out for the rest of that game. There, right, yeah. right. I think the turnovers were a little surprising. Um, I mean. The one as many of them. Was, I would have expect. I was going in expecting one or two. Like I just, what scared me is when I saw the stuff with with Clifford saying he had to play the best game of his career. That made me feel like we were going to try to do stuff that was more than we needed to do. But I don't know if there were there was much of that. Those were some fluky ass plays that just bit the kid in the butt and bit the team in the butt. Yeah. No, I think that's about where I'm at with it. I don't think Sean Clifford played poorly. Like I, I 
think he managed the game well. He I think it was just what two of the turnovers are, are to a defensive lineman, the same defensive lineman. The the fumble he's in the process of throwing. It's just he didn't start coming forward at that point. He's he's you know it's kind of on the up swing, not really going forward. Um, I don't know. I I can live like I, I can after like having some thoughts and re- relaxation about Saturday. I can live with what happened. What I do struggle with and i know you're that you're going to disagree with this because you already said you disagree with this is like i don't know i think the gap is getting closer like i don't think it's like gonna close i don't think it closes next year i think the gap is finally getting closer i think michigan is actually more of a problem based off of their size than ohio state's going to be based off of their skill i agree with that last part i think i think penn state is better prepared to match up with Ohio State because Michigan has proven it's going to play a style of football that Penn State hasn't recruited to deal with on either side of the ball, right? They got a better shot at stopping some big plays, making some big plays against Ohio State, and they are not going to end. Michigan is, I think there's a a little bit, maybe more than a little bit of, of dislike between the coaching staffs there that allows a running game mentality and a grind it out and, and impose our will to be something they like to do. But but let so let me ask on the on so no your ex, your ex, expectations are that they will not win at Ohio State next year. I mean I, we haven't even talked about next weekend yet, but forget it. Sure, yeah. So are you? And I think that's to the point for some fans, right? So that'll be year ten. Granted, Coach Franklin has a, a conference championship in twenty sixteen, but as a fan, you're going into a stadium and going into a season fully believing in your heart of hearts that when they talk about winning the conference championship and going further, that first statement is false, especially if they're playing at Ohio state. Next year. No, I don't, I don't necessarily think that I need to see who comes back on, especially on the defensive side of the ball. They've figured out the offensive line. That's been the big Achilles heel really since 2016. Mm -hmm. They have, by and large figured out the secondary even if you lose some guys next year the iffy spots are are still building the depth again at defensive tackle defensive line and and then linebacker that to me is the biggest glaring hole when i look at this team on not really paper but when i when i watch the team play like the two things that worry me are the defensive line and the linebackers which is a very weird statement that's the thing that is keeping me up most of the night i think like, even if Drew Alar does not become the five-star athlete that we think he's going to be, I don't think he's going to be – I don't think this is going to be another Anthony Morelli. Like, I think he's going to be a above, so. ser- a, a above serviceable quarterback. So I don't – I'm not concerned about that. I think next year is a very – you know me. Like, this is weird that I'm – all season long, I've been negative, but the next season, I, I'm optimistic about next year. You, The way the schedule lays out, the way, you know, the team is coming together, they keep Diaz. If they keep Diaz, I don't think Yursich is going anywhere. They have a very legitimate shot at a conference title next year, mainly because they play Michigan at home. That's been the tougher game. Not the tougher game, but that's been the more winnable game. 
even if you lose the one game, Michigan could probably still beat Ohio State. Like, I'm I'm being Pepe Silva from Always Sunny right now, but like, that's fair. I think that's where I'm at with it. Like, I I think I don't know. That's my take. That's fair. Like, I, yeah, I I don't think that's unreasonable. I don't think Alar, no matter how good he is, is going to be. You know. He's not the conference offensive player twice in his career type deal. You know, I mean, I'm not those. Those aren't my expectations. My expectations are solid, serviceable, a little more more than serviceable, athletic, make some stuff, and be good enough to make some big plays. And everybody's going to make mistakes. Um, is is that your expectation? Because because him, we have or... not had a good quarterback. Okay, That's in this program's cool. history. I mean, really, all respect to Trace. And Kerry Collins, but Penn State isn't a quarterback factory in no. any way, shape, or form. And I, so I, I guess I would be shocked if he was any more than that. Right? I know I, all okay. the faces have changed. I just it's my expectation as a Penn State fan is the quarterback isn't as long as they don't screw stuff up. I don't have higher expectations than that, and they can win with. Although maybe they can't win with just defense in that, right? Like that's the thing. Maybe that's and that's the problem, right? You need to have somebody elite at that position. You know, that's that's the tough part. And God bless the people who are into this knee deep and chest deep and, and loving it and and waiting for every minute of it. For me, I'm like, oh, good. We don't have to worry about a conference championship now. Like, we don't have to worry about that BS. But then if the team's not ready to say, okay, we're, we're not worried about that, we're building for next year, which doesn't sound like that's where he was leaning, Coach Franklin, unless other people get in his ears in the next couple of days. Okay, but Alar's got to get some reps as the season winds down just because it makes sense. Just because it's one thing if you don't know if some kid's going to transfer with the portal and that kind of stuff right now, but you know the kid ahead of him is leaving, right? So let's get the kid who you know is coming back some experience. So let's talk about that. Um, so here's my here's my hot take on all of that. And I think we can also come back to the Ohio State game if you want to, but you can also look ahead. My take on all of this is this is the most important decision James Franklin makes in his coaching career. And a couple of people called me out on this and said they don't think this is the case, and that's fine. James Franklin has said that he's too loyal to a fault. And I think that's what this is all playing out to be is that I don't think he wants to like, I don't think he wants to change quarterbacks mainly because Sean Clifford took, put his life literally on hold so that he could play quarterback at Penn state for one more year and did all of this, you know, other stuff. And I think Franklin appreciates that his brother is on the team, probably also wants to keep him happy. Even if he's only getting like two reps of, every three games or something like that. I think that plays into it. And now you have to decide, like, do I want to continue with this loyalty thing that I've had pretty much since I've been here? Or do I want to show much like when you fired Kirk Shiraka or much like when you've, you know, made the changes that you've, you have made even this season with the looking ahead to the Auburn game and, you know, probably looking ahead to that Michigan game. Like, do you, do you continue that this year or do you, do you still rest? Like, is this your one moral, your one tent pool moral that you're going to stay on? And I think that is the question he has to answer this week. 
I think he's been from afar or as close as we get loyal to players loyal to quality players for sure like if you're lower on the depth chart you may not be getting another chance somewhere along the line if you're in his offensive coordinator I think they would argue that they probably haven't had much loyalty during his tenure so he's been looking for an answer there and I don't need a, a lar to get every rep in the game I don't need him to split time evenly but I think the kids should get some situations more than just mop up when you're up by whatever. And I, I appreciate, I would probably be the first person to say, oh, if you have two quarterbacks, you don't have one. But times have changed. And, and, and you just, this is, there's so many unknowns in college football now, but this is the one that you do know for this program is that that kid that's at the position that's, that started all these games and set Penn State records and been a captain is not going to be there next year, right? So this year isn't lost, that there's value in, winning 10 games, you know, as opposed to eight and all of that. But I guess I'm not convinced that they aren't more talent. Do I think Clifford was the better choice than Alar against Ohio State? Definitely. Like just because of the stage and the talent on the other side of the ball. I'm not, I'm fairly confident that Penn State has more talent than everybody else on the, on the rest of the schedule. Uh, Maryland could be interesting at some point, but I think going to IU with a lot of playing more is not a recipe for disaster. That's all. And I, I, and I would don't think it would hurt to see him a little bit somewhere. They've got packages for everybody else. They don't have a package for the backup quarterback. I, I have been, it's funny you said that because I have been thinking about that mainly because did you see Tommy Stevens run in the, the, no, the I saw his football? social and I haven't tweeted. I haven't tweeted. Oh, you got to watch it. It, it is, go it is it. incredible. And then I still got to talk down my Tommy Stevens Jersey. Um, oh yeah, you I think you're owed one of those. Um, I, I don't know. I think I, I had that kind of that thought too. Like, do you do this like do you do this NFL preseason style where Clifford gets the start, maybe maybe plays the first two reps, two two series, and then it's the LR show for the rest of the afternoon. And I think I can live with that. Um I don't know. I just, I don't see, like, I think, I think to Franklin, there is value in being a starter at Penn state. Like, I think that is just his MO and I don't think he wants to take that away from Sean. And I think that's, what's going to happen. I think you're right. Like, I think, I think you're right. And like, I agree with your point, but also like, I think that's what's going to happen is, is we're going to see Drew Alar 50, 45% of the time with Penn State's offense on Saturday. And here's the thing. The other thing that I said is I can also live with the decision as much as I've been a pro Clifford driving the train on the pro Clifford bus. Um, although it's a bus, so it's not a train. Um, <laughs> as much as I've been the, the flag carrier for the nation of Sean Clifford, I am fine with drill are starting because there are bigger problems. If Penn state cannot win these final four games in the season, like right. you look at like, like the, the FBI gives like Penn state, the maybe the number two highest like percentage to win out for the season. I think maybe like Ohio state's the only team that's higher. You look at, you know, who they play. They've got all teams that, Alar will 100% play you next year. You've got 
Indiana, Maryland, um, Rutgers, and Michigan State. Like he's going to play all of those. So I, I don't know. I think I think I can live with it. But I, I just I think you really are are. I'm fascinated by the testing of the morals for for James Franklin this weekend. I'm also fascinated, and we we talked about this before the podcast. Like there's apparently a meeting that's going to happen between Clifford and and Franklin does there's two ways that meeting goes Uh, either number one hey coach I want to still be the starter at Penn State or number two hey coach I want to do what's best for Penn State and let Alar start so he can get get the reps I can kind of see Sean Clifford being being the latter guy because I think that's his mo like I think he really cares about Penn State that way yeah I don't know I mean I, I think it would certainly give it would certainly give the coach an out, right? It would certainly give the coach a, you would have to make a decision. The player made it for him, which might not be a good call for some cynics too. But I don't know that I need to see a large 50% of the plays. And I, But I just do think you need to prepare the kid in some game action if you can. And, and it feels like you can't. No, not to be dismissive of the final four teams on the schedule. They both they all have some some, some scary things, but not that much that again Penn State shouldn't win right and it, it, and if they can't yeah. win you've got bigger issues than that yeah no that's my takeaway like there's massive problems here there's bigger problems if Penn State can't win with with a even with a just slightly above average quarterback which I don't think Sean Clifford is I think Sean Clifford is above average not slightly above average he should be able to get the ball to these wide receivers. He should be able to get hand the, know when to hand the ball off to, to a running back. I, I, I think you're fine. Like, I think you'll you'll be fine. Um, so yeah. yeah, I agree. The good thing is all of this quarterback stuff has taken off. Like we haven't – this is the first time back to Indiana since – Yeah, no, the this end is zone. the – yeah, yeah, the end zone. So this the good the thing is this that, – that's, that's – nobody's talking about that yet, which is wonderful. Like I'm so t- – you know, well, Steve Jones talked about it on his his – local show the other week somebody talked about that play and he had like the dismissive no sound like clicking of the teeth clicking of the of the tongue kind of thing like it was a bad call two years later which I think the guy broke the end playing the old but still it's nice that we're going there to talk about quarterback stuff and whatever else as opposed to what ifs yeah I don't know I think I like I mean I'm I'm fascinated I'm glad the game's not at noon let's just put it that way You're going to get more of those baby big big ratings last week, although they were driven by Ohio State more than Penn State, but still. Um, So yeah, I don't know. I think I think that's about where I'm at with everything. You have any you have any questions about my Twitter rant? It seemed like you had a couple of those. No, I think we covered them. I I think we covered them. I think you were more patient and reasoned, and I think there and I don't think people are unreasoned after. Nine years with Coach Franklin in charge. I think we 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 know what Penn State is. And while I was, I am personally good with my mentality was oh every four years, under Paterno they were gonna they were gonna play for national championship every four years. We haven't played. I mean you know they were gonna that was they were gonna reload. They weren't gonna be not they were always good but they weren't gonna always be. That was just what happened right. Every every kid that was there four years at some point played played for a championship. It at this point that hasn't been the case here, right? And and it's probably not going to be the case that they're going to be. In his in his words, God, and it it just must 
maybe it doesn't stink. Maybe he's right. Like they're not going to be elite for a little bit yet. It doesn't feel like, um, and maybe it's not that far. Maybe you're right. Maybe it's not that far, but nothing was reassured. Seemed nothing reassures me after seeing the two games against the two best teams in the division and the two best teams in the conference, which are two of the better teams in the country against Penn state this season. And, and I don't know how optimistic I am that that's going to change next year. You know, that makes sense. I agree with that. Six minutes, six day, six win, six day windows. What do you got? Wait, I got a question. I got a question. Hold on before we go to that. My question is this. Would you rather, or if you were James Franklin, would you rather get a do-over of the Michigan game or the Ohio State game this year? The Ohio State game. Because the Michigan game, you were so manhandled that I don't think it was going to change. The Ohio State game, maybe you're bright enough to like figure out a timeout to slow down the three-game thing, th the the three-play drive, and, and you avoid a couple mistakes. It didn't feel like it was mistakes against Michigan. It felt more like you were manhandled. So I don't know. That's that's an easier do-over. I think it's an easy easier do-over to fix mistakes. I think that's about where I'm at with it, too. I was just thinking about that. I don't know what yeah. made me click on that. Um, okay. All right. In related news, um, for the second time in two weeks, Penn State's Saturday football contest has been six-day windowed, which if you don't know what that means, it means that the conferences and TV people basically get to decide when the teams will play six days um, ahead as opposed to the traditional finding out the two Mondays before. Um, and I think maybe we talked about this before, or at least I've read some good arguments about this because I, I hate them. Like they were fine when I was a student, but now that I'm like barely an adult and have a life and like, not that it really matters because I'm still going to be there for the most part, but it's just a pain in the ass when you have to like figure out these plans and it's, only a week away and you don't know what time like like for us for us it more so matters after the game right like if it is a noon game we will probably drive back to frederick if it is not a noon game then we'll stay in altoona and it doesn't really it's not really that in, big of an inconvenience on anybody in this situation but i'm sure for people that come from harrisburg the difference between a 330 and a noon kick is is maybe whether or not they're going to show up or you know Perfect example. You've got little Jimmy's baseball, t-ball, fall ball game at, at 9 a.m. Well, you're probably not going to make the, the noon kick, but yeah, you will make the 3.30 kick if you're leaving from Lancaster or York or wherever. And I don't know. I just think like, why can't we set the schedule two weeks out? Like, does it really matter ratings wise where Ohio State plays when they play Rutgers in two weeks and like versus Penn state playing Maryland in two weeks. Same number of people are going to tune in, I think. Right. I guess I, I, I hear it, but I also think at some point, these people that are your broadcast partners and you, you're happy to take their money, the money from them, you got to trust them to do their job and position your product in a way that's going to be seen by the most eyeballs and, and draw the highest ratings and, and help them make back the money they spent on you. And do, I don't know that there's a huge difference in viewership for Penn State, Indiana, whether it's noon or 3.30. Like I, it's maybe half a million people. Maybe it's the difference between 
you know, 2.2 and 2.7 million people watching the game. But a half a million people that you charged, charged, you know, or that ended up paying or senior commercials, you know, maybe that's enough of a difference added up over all the games during the season that it means something. You know, I, I don't know. Um, there, there are 330 games this season. The 330 game against Northwestern that was home was seen by 1.6 million people. Right. So I think that's probably maybe a million and a half for this game, million six, because IU probably has a bigger alumni base. Um, but Penn State isn't drawing any, you know, you're not drawing anybody into this game that isn't a fan of either one of the teams. Um, but yeah, I feel for the people that are traveling, feel for the people that have to make plans because you don't know. I mean, you kind of know this isn't going to be a night game. So you don't have to worry about that. And it's always it always feels like it's a difference between a noon and a three thirty at this point of the season with the teams that are left. Unless the Big Ten Network throws in some weird late afternoon or evening start for, say, God forbid, Maryland or Rutgers or you know whatever. God forbid, Maryland or Michigan State at home. That 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 would be awful. But you know, I doubt that'll happen. We'll see. Yeah, I don't know. I just don't like them. I guess that's my hot take. Is yeah, no, and I don't think you're alone. I I, I think. But I, I don't know. I think they're an inconvenience. I don't think they're a, they're hurting. They're, I don't think they're harmful. They're certainly an inconvenience. I guess here's my here's my gripe with them is I am fine with them roughly week one through eight nine. We know that the Big Ten can't have a night game unless the two teams agree to it in November. So why not just like just schedule it out? Like I, I, I just it doesn't make any sense. And like we have hit the point in the Big Ten season where there are no interesting. The only interesting game left is the Michigan Ohio State game. Like that is the the interesting game. Yep. Maybe the maybe the Michigan and Illinois game. Maybe. And that's the week before the Ohio State game. But in terms of of ratings two of the three games pretty much two of the three games yeah that are going to be number one number two and number three have already happened and and that's again going back to this little triad that i was talking yep, about yep. it's a nuclear arms pack fact um so yeah i i think like, how, like what are we doing here let's just tell me if the game's at noon or three thirty. you can even tell me that before the season starts i'm fine with i am fine with october being a little loosey-goosey because you at least give me two weeks and usually you, you throw me a bone saying that there's going to be one night game in there um and usually if penn state has a big game the week of the world series now i know that it's probably going to be at noon um right but other than that um that's my hot take on six day windows there you go well summarized thank you not going to change but well summarized thank you I am interested. I, I feel like things are going to be different next year. Like you, I'm inter I'm fascinated to see how this whole scheduling thing works out with the three. Three. Maybe, maybe, maybe there's room for optimism. Maybe they say, "Hey, we're going to do this," and and because realistically, these four games that are left, it doesn't matter what time they're played at, right? It really, it really doesn't for either team. And and like I said, there's a, there's one or two interesting games, and the most important game of the season has what remains of the season has been scheduled at noon since before the season started. 
right? So fill the schedule out around the other ones and go from there and have some known quantities. And it might help you promote stuff better and do some things better. So, yeah. Well, and the other game that we pretty much know is the Penn State and Michigan State will play at 3.30. That's, that's right. Right. Because they're never going to, I mean, has that, have those games ever coincided? I, I can't remember them. I don't, I don't remember. I don't think so, but I don't remember. And I don't have the times. I don't have times. Well, I guess I know they're almost noon. So I could look back and see if there was a Penn State, Michigan State at noon. And then we had the hiatus from Michigan State for a couple of years. So it didn't, yeah. didn't matter. So, okay. Um, all right. Here's my this week's old guy, young guy. Are you ready? Yes, Very sir. Question, Steve. And I maybe have asked you this question before Crocs, yes or no? Uh, yes, on my feet right now. What color? Blue. Plain old blue. I'm not surprised by the, the fact that you're a Crocs man. They're mostly, but they're indoor Crocs. Now they've gotten a little use outdoor. Like uh, they were like more like an indoor comfortable slipper kind of thing, as okay. opposed to like a utility in and out kind of thing. Like I'll throw on the old sneakers or as we've discussed before, the, the old shoes. golf shoes to be out in the yard. So weird. So weird. You're kind of aerating the yard at the same time. Come on. I think it's a, I think it's a trend setting move. Sure. sure. I don't believe you. That one, bud. Uh, um, okay. No, I was just curious. I, I, I don't have an issue with Crocs. I don't own a pair of Crocs. I don't have an issue with them. I do have an issue with camo Crocs because I don't know. There's, it's a, it feels weird. That one feels weird. Um, do have an issue if you're an adult and you put the little giblets, giblets, yeah. whatever they're called, in. I do have an issue with that. I will say I did have a pair of of like fuzzy Crocs. They were like regular Crocs, mm -hmm. but then they had like fleece in them. Those were extremely comfortable. Yep. Um, but I'm glad to hear that. I'm not surprised to hear, but I'm not offended by the fact that you're a Crocs guy. Um, yep, that, that was like pandemic thing because I was around the house. Like, because the first part of the pandemic, it was like you should dress for work and work from home. Cause that's a good way to get into it. And so after like seven months of doing that, I'm like, yeah, okay. We got to find a pair of shorts and a half decent shirt, and you know, some Crocs so your feet are comfortable on the hardwood floor walking back and forth. So. I will say that is one thing that I do notice I wear shoes in the house more often, mainly because we have pretty much only hardwood floors, except for the basement. And I only hang out in the basement at night when I'm like being lazy. So I do wear shoes in the house a lot more often compared to when I grew up. But I don't know. I, I just, I don't, I don't see the, I just. I, what I color do you say the Crocs are now? Or did you? I don't have Crocs on. Okay. No. I think they were black when I had them. Black. Okay. Okay. Right. You just own I'm one sorry. pair of Crocs? Just one. Because just one. I know one. there are people that own multiple. Oh, no, I'm sure. Yeah, yeah. No, it's 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 that and the rotation of like, you know, sneakers slash running shoes, whatever you call them, that kind of go through the hierarchy of what you actually wear and the pair that you've got so many miles on that kind of falling apart that you kind of wear around the house or outside and, you know. The shoes aren't as old as the t-shirts, but still. Well, it's not surprising. Okay. All right. Um, so you're going out this else? weekend? Yes. Yes. And then sprinting back to New Jersey for a Sunday wedding. Okay, good. So, so what's the best part about IU trips? Mother Bear's Pizza. Oh, that's right. You said that before. Okay. They also do have like the, the most beautiful, uh, the 1A most beautiful campus. In the Big Ten, 1B being Wisconsin, 
okay. just because they have a lake. But like this time of year in Indiana is great because like they've got so many trees and then all of their buildings are, are limestone. So it's like, it's, they're neat. They're just neat to look at. Um, people are very nice there too. Like they're, they're, they're a basketball school, so they don't really care about football. So it's kind of nice. It's kind of a nice refresher. Stadium is great. Um, they have Chick-fil-A in the stadium. So yeah. Nice. A lot of, a lot of John Cougar Mellencamp and a couple of Mark Cuban references here or there. Okay, cool. Oh yeah, John, C- John Cougar Mellencamp has a little box up top of the press box someplace that was his years ago. Like yeah, a personal he still box does. There. Yeah. I think, I think isn't the press box named after something is named in the stadium is named after him. Okay. I think. Uh, but yeah. Well, All safe right. travels. Thank you. Um, it's been another episode of Stuff Summer Says with Steve. Steve. Um, we've got Twitter handles. Mine is at Stuff Summer Says. Yours is at Steve Samsel. Uh, email is Stuff Summer Says Podcast at gmail.com. Five star ratings. Thumbs up. You know, we'll see. Yeah. see Give us your summer. comments by email or if you just want to call one of us and bitch, which happens, we, we'll share that too. <laughs> Nobody's ever called one of us and bitch ever. Never, no, ever, never. All right. See Have ya. fun. Bye.